a nutrition. A, oh. I want to know about this because you mentioned it, and <sighs> I lowered because yeah. I used to jack my oven up. Like, well, I think you can still jack your oven up. Here's how you approach it: okay. you jack your oven up, you do what you're going to do, but don't put oil on it. Then, when you're done, you drizzle the oil on top. And that's it. And there, problem solved. It's not a big deal. Because then you're not heating up the oil, and then you're not destabilizing the oil. And it's got got, got a shorter time under heat. It's the same mechanics that people talk about. I mean, Cheryl Crow talked about this a little bit with her cancer, that um, she believes in some ways that, that, you know, she was touring and drinking out of bottled water. And a lot of times she was in very hot environments. And as soon as the, you know those plastics that contain that hold the water get heated up they can release there's not enough studies on it but they can release the chemicals that they're made from (laughs) right and and it only i mean this is common sense i don't think you need like no i'm not sure smoking produces uh cancer here i'm not sure i'm not sure it causes (laughs) health problems we haven't had enough studies this isn't one of those i mean you know come on you're 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 making something out of petroleum and other assorted plastics you have a pet scale have you seen the pet scale with the triangles and it's one through eight or nine and they talk about each one of those is a number so if you look at the bottom of your plastic container there's a little triangle and it has a number in it one two three four five six seven eight nine or whatever and that's a scale of the (sighs) chemical of of what of what's in those things. So you want to be very mindful of that. Go, you can look, I um, I can pull it up, but it's a, <clears throat> I did not a, know that. Yeah. It's a, it's called pet P E T and it, but I didn't know that that's what it was for. Yeah. I still, just thought it was like an industry thing about the, I think at some point they, they realized the company that made the bottles. No, I think at some point they, they realized they were going to have to disclose something. So in, rather than put like, what's, what's this plastic made of? It's made of this chemical and that chemical and this chemical to scare the pants out of you. I think they, they wanted to do a little bit of lawsuit prevention. So they, put so, this, so it's like putting caution, extremely hot coffee. And you're like, really? I got it. It's coffee. Yeah. <laughs> right. The CYA. It plays on kind of human nature. Cover your ass. Well, yeah. And, but, it, but so this pet scale, which I think everybody should know about, which we can, it, it PET, and then you just look and, and it, it shows you like, it's pretty scary. Like, I think it's got color designations you know what i mean like so the, the higher the number i'm not sure i i don't want i want to be careful here because this is not but uh, but i can look it up really quickly but um the the idea is that um let me see if pet uh so the idea is to the, i think the higher the number actually uh is the less dangerous um it, that's going to sound a little bit weird, but I think it's it's um, it's the less dangerous that it is. But so again, we got on this little. Sorry, I, I know you wanted to talk about nutrition, which we're going to. But again, I just you know I take things even if I get riled up. I think about what we've talked about, and so I started dropping my the heat in my oven to 400 right and i think that's the order in which i'm doing it because i like my vegetables burnt and crispy so right. I, I but i think i can still uh, uh, obtain that through doing your method which i'm going to try i'll do that tonight which would be great but there is this thing that i think this cumulative effect of our environment that we take for granted where i have thought about yeah in itself 
one thing's not bad. So there's the there's what the pet sign looks oh, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll see it. I, I'm just showing him. Yeah, see, I thought it was like the recycling. That's like the recycling sign for me. So that's called a resin identification code to indicate the material used. Re hold on. Resin? Resin. R-E-S-I-N. Identification resin. code. Yeah. The a ASTM International Resin Identification Coding System, often abbreviated, often abbreviated RIC, is a set of symbols appearing on plastic products that identify the plastic resin out of which the product is made. It was developed in 1988 by the Society of Plastics Industry but since 2008 has been in administered, whatever. And then they have the table of resin codes and you could see they have a different types of abbreviation. And then they talk about what it's used for. And then you can, you could see, I don't know that they, they talk about high density polyethylene and they talk about polyvinyl chloride. And you can see, I mean, this is where, at some level, if you've ever gone to the, when you go to the grocery store and you get a can of beans or whatever, depends on what you get. But um, like if you go to Whole Foods, you'll see non-BPA lining, right? Because there's been a lot of attack on um, bisphene. Ah, I'm going to get wrong. But that, but that breaks down on leaks, correct? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're concerned about, but I mean, you also look at some of the, um, if you also look at some of the contents of some of your packaged goods they include chemicals like pal um what's it propylene glycol <laughs> they put propylene glycol which you is know what? i usually put that on my vegetables i usually right. i just did that last night right. actually propylene glycol yeah, is delicious. uh used <laughs> in um i think it's used in um what's it radiator fluid i think they, oh, they use it yeah well you so it's funny was i was mm. out of the so, propylene got uh got all Glycol. Glycol. And Probably then I actually glycol, went yeah. to my car and got some antifreeze <laughs> and I just put that on the vegetables. Well, I, we are not <laughs> recommending that at all. He's joking. This has, this is not. Did you have to clarify? I was yes, joking on that. Yes, we have to. Do we yes, have to? I yes. guess in this day and age we do. We actually. have to clarify. He's joking. That's not at all what we would recommend at all. So, okay, can I say so, something? Else? Sure. The fact that they knew or that any industry is like, yeah, we, we probably should come up with something here. You don't see a warning sign for apples. Right. But you actually probably should, sure at given point, what they spray them with. No kidding at this point, right? But you really don't. You don't see warning signs going around on vegetables with a special symbol that says, hey. Well, it's like anything else. They develop it. People are excited. They're like, ooh, this is a great technology. This is a good new product. This will improve our lives. But like anything, it comes at a potential cost. And then we start to realize the cost slowly over time. And then there's some scares, but nothing. And and now you've built up a whole industry and you have jobs and you have businesses and you have trade and you have everything else. And now all of a sudden it's like, what do we do here? You know, I mean, it, you can't I mean, just stop. It's hard to just stop and it's hard to put in real limitations. I mean, look at the cigarette industry in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You know, I mean, that was decimated after, but it took a long time to put that industry in, you know, on its heels because it had so much money and so much, you know, everything so much and, and so much power, you know, and, and, it, and admittedly it did create jobs, right. Which I'm not, you know, I'm not an advocate for the cigarette industry. I'm just saying it, it did some things and, and that makes it hard. People are like, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want to make a change, which I, I, I think, so I think one of the things that came to my mind is that, um, can I just say real quick? And I think that's... No, no, no. I, want, I just want to... Because I started saying something and then, feel, and then oh, you yeah. jumped in. Go ahead. I just want to wrap up. Uh -huh. And then you just yeah, yeah. do your thing. 
my thing is that sometimes I think people think of nutrition or the things in which we eat food out of and these things that by themselves, like one thing might not necessarily be bad over the course of your life. But we've moved into an era where... Doesn't that depend on the amount you... Yeah. Yeah, but hold on. But even if it's a little bit or even... Well, right. just even it's a lot of it, okay? Right. Right. But if it's a little a little bit or a lot of it of many different things that... So one thing says, well, you know, a little, a little bit of this that we add in, this chemical over aspartame over the next... You'd have to drink this much over 60 years. And I'm like, okay, okay. That was the point of them. When you look at packaged goods, if you read labels and you look at the ingredients list, that was the point of them putting this clarifier at the bottom. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's basically like less than it, it has these ingredients and then less than one to 2% of the product contains these. Right. So they're trying to, yes. I think they're trying to he- head that off at the pass, so to speak. But then here's where I get the red flag. But this is, does not address the issue of bioaccumulation, which is what you're talking about. Yes. That, that one thing in itself is fine. But if your daily diet is 10 of those things, that's no longer 1%. And the problem is we have no studies about bioaccumulation or we don't have a lot of studies because it's there's because, no benefit financially to anybody well these businesses don't want that um there would be a benefit there would be a benefit to the insurance industry oh see you know see your business guy you they know, you're are, way smarter than me they you know, are then why don't they do that it's a good question i don't know i think they're probably working it behind the scenes i mean COVID was a good example and they, they saw an opportunity in the market and they already were doing the smart driver. We monitor your driving and we give you lower rates, right? Maybe that'll be smart person. We're monitoring your health, your food consumption and your, you know what's interesting? And we'll lower your health premiums. So if you like log in on your diet, they they may start, right. They may start that with employers and how much is, how much, because think about it. These two groups have the most at stake. See, most people don't have much at stake until there's a crash and they have a heart attack or a stroke or whatever they have. And then it's they're kind of marginalized, right? But these two groups, the insurance companies and the companies themselves that pay the premiums, the, po- the policies they pay for those, they have a lot at stake. So you're right. I mean, they you, you could. I think you're going to see that in the next 10 years. You're going to see an app that your insurance company gives you and your company makes you participate in. Maybe not right away, but eventually it's like, hey, if you're in if you're in good health, like, you know, you and and of course, how are you going to prove that people aren't lying? You know, that's going to be a whole other, you know, ball of wax. But the point is, is that they, you know, they they're probably beta testing it. Uh, my guess is like, you know, did you have that pizza? <laughs> well, you could break <laughs> like, down someone's, let's say, rough diet. And then you look at, okay, well, the, you have 60% packaged processed foods. And we know what roughly what kind of foods do you eat? And then if the packaging has 1% of this, 2% of that, they can actually add up and say, well, you're actually getting 75% of these chemicals in you. And together... Over time, they're going to they're going to degrade your 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 your. There's going to be a cellular breakdown that could make you susceptible to X, Y, and Z. And I think we don't think of those things. And they might actually do it even on a more basic level. And the, the chemicals they they could also do it on a a, a package good analysis of the amount of sugars. 
you know what I mean? The amount of sugars and the amount of salts. And they wouldn't necessarily disclose that, how they're making that calculation. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, nobody likes to talk about it, but the actuarial analysis of, of morbidity, you know, in America, it's a very cut and dried off in the corner wonky thing, but they pay accountant actuarials and, you know, like polymaths, but they pay people to, to calculate how long is, if this person's born at this age, at this, uh, time in history, how long are they likely to live? And those are constantly getting recalculated based on our diet and lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like what they're seeing in the, the trends. And so they analyze hospital statistics. Are we seeing more people that are younger coming in? And that's why they're reporting all this information. So it's getting, it's, it's a little scary because there's probably people out there that are like, Hey man, you know, it's natural to yo-yo a little bit sometimes in your life on your diet. And it's like, well, now am I going to be penalized because I, you know, come on, everybody falls off the wagon or everybody goes through a spate of time in their life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do everybody. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. So everybody, so then all of a sudden are you Struggle. being punished? And that's, you know, I think people will take umbrage at that. I think people are going to be like, you know, come on, this isn't fair, but, 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 but I, so, but I think this, this is from a um, documentary called food as medicine. And um, we can start here. I have a fair number of recordings from it, but I think that this one, because what it occurred to me was that we're not, um, I think one of the, we talked about nutrition and having nutrition and dietitians come and talk at a tennis club. And we talked about how great that would be and how much value that would be. And we talked about it from that. And it's kind of like saying, you know, it's great if you get eight hours, you got to get eight hours of sleep a night and you know how great it would be if you had no stress and how great it would be if, you know, your kids behave just perfectly and all this other stuff. And we've, we've talked about that. Yeah, that's great. But now talk to me about the real world, right? I'm short of time. I don't have time to sit there and cook a two hour meal, right? I, I don't, I'm, you know, whatever it is, right? And so um, it occurred to me that perhaps we have to examine more closely the reasons why people um, would not want this so that we can get it why we should have this. So in other words, I think it's quite possible that, um, you know, tennis and, and I'm, this is before I play it, but I, I was like, you know what, we don't necessarily take it seriously enough. And it could be because there's a few reasons and you probably will come up here with your own, obviously, but that, um, the first thing is we're not playing a lot of, most players are not playing long enough. Like for you, you're on the court and you're playing and teaching, but you're moving and you're constantly busy. Um, and you're on the cement court <laughs> for sometimes 12, 13 hours in a day. Right. And oftentimes though it's less, but still it doesn't matter. Even like two, three hours on these cement courts can wreak havoc on the body. But for the average person who's coming in, they're taking a lesson maybe once a week and maybe they're playing, I don't know, once, twice a week, something like that. So, and when they play, they don't, this is not, you're not talking like Nadal style. You know what I mean? Like, even if they give it something, they're not like, you're not burning a thousand calories. Well, and I bet Nadal when he, no, up, no, yeah. I, no, I'm no, no, the club but, right. But they're not, they're not. And, and so they're not putting, and they, and they probably don't need to put forth 
that strenuous of an effort. Sometimes they probably do, but a lot of times they don't. It's kind of like, you know, hey, oh, uh, 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 you know, <laughs> like little moves and they're like, oh, 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 I moved a lot. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, that was good. Yeah. How do you feel? You know, not, they're not this like, <gasps> well, that's not the, that's not the sport at the club level. Right. Close, right. Right. But what I'm seeing is it, a, but so, okay. So we, we, okay. But, why so maybe they're not putting forth enough effort that would cause them to sit there and say oh i gotta change my diet here i got it you know i can't eat that you know i can't eat that blueberry muffin and choke down a uh you know a, a venti latte or latte or whatever i can't you know you don't have enough of a reason you know you and um there's they and because of that they don't make that connection maybe you know and they see this whole nutrition and dietitian stuff is kind of extreme. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't blame them to some wait, wait, degree. So I'm just trying to connect dots here. So what you're suggesting is because you don't work because at the club level, the game that you're playing doesn't give you the workout or the, or stresses you out. It's as strenuous yeah. at the, like the pro level right? that your, your diet actually doesn't feel like it's going to impact. And not just the workout, but the amount of times that you actually go out there like for you if you were it, eating the way matters. you used to if you were eating the way you used to eat fat and you pat, were fat pat well you were eating there if you were eating that way every day and you were out there at one point you were teaching seven days a week or six six, day, six, six days, days okay so at one point you were teaching six days a week if you were going out there and even if you were out there for two three hours or four hours would you say it would still matter what you ate what you know your your diet would you say, you know, for you, for you, for you my, can't my speak diet, for others. My but diet yeah. at that point was tra trash and destroyed me. It, 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 I couldn't, I was struggling. And you were probably really, uh, was, you were really, you were feeling the after effects of it too, because I, you were probably really sore. What were the after effects of it? Throbbing knees, shin splints. Okay. Lower back hurting. I okay. Didn't, I didn't sleep well. So then I would, because it was hurting, uh -huh. I was like, oh, I'll have, a, I'll, have a, I'll have a couple of drinks to relax my muscles, right? And then that spirals into, then alcohol flips over the receptors of, oh, you know, I'm really craving something sweet. Or like it, it, it over, yeah. like that kind right. of stuff overrides, right. hey, the, sati the satiation button, where it's right. like, hey, I should stop right now. I'll have a piece of chocolate versus the entire chocolate. Well, plus bar. you also get loose and you're, you're kind of like, Hey, that looks pretty good. You know, it's just one chocolate bar. <laughs> you're loose. You're like, come on, come on. Okay. just have a cigarette and a chocolate. I mean, what's the difference? So, but the, <laughs> but no, but that's no, but right? so, so, but so, but the, I, so I, what I want to say is that like, first of all, I don't want people to dismiss this and say, well, he's a pro and he, he, he's there for 12 hours a day. Of course he has to watch what he eats. I'm saying that like, I also think that if people were coming to a club, say three, four days a week, and they were playing for even one hour a day. Yeah, they'd feel it. I think they would feel it. Red flags would go off. Red flags would go off. So I think can, can, in can, some ways this builds on, and this might hit your smarticles button, maybe this is what you yeah, say, but, gonna, hey, yeah. but I think this builds on what you were just saying with respect to the plastics and the bioaccumulation and things like that, right? That go ahead. Hit the smarticles button because I'm gonna say I got what it. What were you gonna say? Yeah. No, you, you hit something here. It's the reverse of the one time thing. Yeah. So what happens right? is you start playing, right? And if you start playing that much, 
let's just say three to four times a week. Yeah, even for an hour each time. You start getting better without any instruction. Just get on the ball machine, right? Yeah. You're going to start hitting better. Right. And eventually, you're going to hit a wall where you plateau in your movement, in your... Because you're going to say, oh, I'm going to turn the ball machine up now. It's going to go faster. Right. But then you're going to realize... But you don't hit that point where the nutrition kicks in, where your mobility kicks in, where the prep work now that allows you to move at that speed. So, and I'm going to give you a good example that dovetails right into what you're talking about, and then I'll shut up. One of the pros is younger, played in college, and the other day we had like five minutes between classes. He's like, come on, let's hit, let's hit. And I was like, okay, I'm good, I'm good let's do it. <laughs> and yeah, there's a little bit of reservation yeah, there because you're like, is this going to push me? I got to manage myself yes, for the rest yes. of the time. And if I do this yeah. wrong, I'm going to pay the big price for this. Right. And I, and also my students are going to pay I, a price I, because later on in the day, you know, I'm not going to be able to give my best because I might have tweaked something or this guy's going to push me. I, I paid a big price. <laughs> oh no. Oh yeah. Oh, no. Right calf. Little bop bop on the old back of the calf. So what happened was Meanwhile, he's fine. Oh he's <laughs> What's the problem, dude? And he's like, I didn't stretch. I just can't right? like, he's he's eating he's eating ho hos and ding dongs on the other side while he's playing with me, drinking a a, a, a giant big gulp. Got one hide, one hand tied behind his back, playing in bowling shoes. No, no, he actually had the racket in his mouth with both hands tied <laughs> behind really his funny. back. Yeah, yeah. And he's 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 a lefty and he's cranking it. And I'm just trying to like shuff so ready. The speed in which I forget, because I never played elite tennis, you have to shuffle back is so fast. People don't appreciate how fast you have to recover in tennis. Within three minutes, I was dredged trying to shuffle back, and I have a one-handed backhand, and he, and at the end, I had a few shots, and he's, he's super nice. He's like, oh, that was a great shot. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying over here. And he says to me, you know, I didn't really realize that there's some limitations with the one. And I said, dude, there are no limitations with the one when you're this slow on my side. <laughs> I said, that doesn't with my backhand. I couldn't get to the ball. But my point is, because I don't play at that speed normally, I have to then start doing the work to get myself up to that. So what I did yesterday, I had a private lesson in the morning, and I've got the kid on the ball machine just for him to start moving faster. So I got there early and cranked up the speed, not to where we were, but now I have to tweak my movement diet, if you will, or nutrition, my movement nutrition, the things I need to do to get up to that speed. But that let that speed of hitting and his mobility was very clear that mine, my diet at that is not there. I need to change it if I'm going to hit with him and, and, give him some sort of workout to, to hang with him and say, Hey, I don't want to waste your time here because it's embarrassing too. I mean, granted, I, I know I'm 50, but whatever, I still want to move. So I think that goes, it's not into, just that you want to move. I want to feel good. <clears throat> it's not just that you want to feel good. I don't wanna you want to be able to, you want to be able to, you want to be able to hang with him. Yes, totally. that's, the biggest, that's the biggest thing. It's not about movement. It is. It's all those things, but ultimately you want to be able to hang with him and have him, go wow and then one day when he's neglected himself and bioaccumulated to the point where he's now in trouble he'll remember god i remember playing with sullivan 
How old was he back then? He was able to hang with me. I can't do that. Right, so maybe that's the motivator. <clears throat> and, and maybe that's your motivator. So if you're playing two days a week, go to three or four right. and, and see... and. Maybe that's your pressure. That's the, the but thing. What I but 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 I think the theory here that I'm trying to get to is that um, we feel the effect. That's the theory, and I think oh, what we're God. we're saying is we don't feel the effect. So in other words, we say you start off by saying there's so many people who sit there and they say, yeah, but I'm just having this one a little bit each time. I'm having a little bit. What's the big deal? How's that going to affect me? And then we talked about the collection the collective the collective nutritional activity there of what you're consuming meaning i have this food product that food product this food product that food product and they all have a one percent of propylene glycol <laughs> or whatever whatever they have emulsifiers you know um you'll you'll see all kinds of chemical food additives that are in there but it also just the sugars and the fats and all that stuff right and so i it to me i know I, I think you just said something though which is which is major feel the effect yeah if the if so that was somebody taking a bucket of cold water when i was hitting with him the other day right and just been like right. here's the effect buddy. somebody somebody could have <laughs> said so in other words somebody could have said to you let's let's play a fantasy game here for a second and let's say it's like um you guys meet up in the the club area and there's another guy there and you guys are talking and all of a sudden the guy says uh guy says why don't you two hit you guys have never hit and you're like yeah, sure, I'll hit. And the guy says, but you know, I want to warn you. He's a lot younger and he can hit hard and he used to play college tennis. And you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. And then you get out there. <laughs> it doesn't, do you see what I'm saying? Like if somebody were to say that, now you can appreciate it because you've been playing tennis and teaching tennis for so long. But what I'm saying is if somebody were just to say it, and that's the problem, people are just saying it. They have to feel it. Right at yes, some level, and that's and that was, that, that's what's happening. Is right. everybody sitting there saying, you know, if you eat this, blah blah blah? People are like, yeah, whatever. That gets in the way of my convenience. Don't you understand? I have limited time, and I don't care. It's only a little bit, and it gets in the way but of my convenience. What, but that's what the packaged food companies, processed food, wants you to. That's what they're saying. Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Right. It's just a little bit over time. But I remember seeing this uh, food documentary, um, and it was this guy in New Zealand, and he was focused, and I'll come up with it in another episode, but he was focused on uh, sugar, and he interviewed somebody from the New Zealand sugar board or whatever, and she looked at him, and you could tell she was getting hot. Like, we've gotten hot in the we've, in some of our exchanges. Would you say that's hot? We get hot. Well, okay, but the point is... <laughs> we get raging. <laughs> the point, well, she, she looked at me and she was like, and I can't reduplicate the New Zealand accent that well, but she was like, no one is forcing you to put that in your trolley, meaning your cart. Nobody's forcing you to put that in your cart, right? And it's like, no, but you're not, you're also not saying the other thing here. But which that's is, that counter messaging. We're going to do everything we can to get you to want to put that in your cart. <laughs> That's that's what we're going to do. So while no one is sitting there with a gun saying, put that in your cart or else they're not telling you the other story, which is we're going to do it. We're going to be the devil on your shoulder on both shoulders going, come on, you know, you want it. It's going to be really good. It's really good. You know, and 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 we've tried to get at this in a number of ways. Like in Chicago, they had the soda tax. So if it cost a dollar, it was a dollar tax. 
and it was choking the soda industry and they were pissed. And so they got it repealed. I think it was a local city ordinance. They got it repealed. And I remember seeing this woman at the Museum of Science Industry, totally nice lady, wonderful, grossly obese, 350 pounds at least. And she worked there and we would always have nice conversations and everything. And, but she would tell me, you know, I'd be like, so what did she's like, Oh, it's so hard. I'm trying to lose weight. She's like, she's like, you know, the soda price went up, you know? And I'm like, I know I heard that's good though, because it's helping with people's teeth and preventing cavities and everything. And she was like, not having it. She was not happy, but she this likes was her soda, she but likes the, her she soda. would drink a liter or two of those a day, you know, and she, <laughs> for breakfast, she had six croissants. So that's what she told me. So, so, but this, but the point, I don't want to get too far afield from this. The point is, is that people have to feel that effect and people don't. So people were just to have that conversation with you and say, yeah, go play with this guy. Go play this guy. You'd be like, you'd be like, of course I'm going to go play with him, whatever. And then you, but you don't realize, wait a minute, this is, this is, it's, it's almost like telling a kid, I wouldn't do that. If I were you, it's going to really hurt when you, you know what I mean? I, one of my buddies, one of my buddies was at my wedding. He was like, his dad had been in the army and he, he was uh, he's a really smart guy. He's an attorney. And, um, his dad had said to him, you know, he had said, I'm joining the army, dad, you know, to like man up and do the whole thing. And, and his dad was like, okay, I don't think you're going to really like it. <laughs> and, and before you know it, my friend was off in Korea, jumping out of helicopters with 200 pounds of equipment, a hundred pound back. And then another hundred pound, he, he carried a, he carried an anti-tank weapon, which he had to. And so that destroyed his knees. Because you had to, you had to repel out of helicopters in the field. That's what you would do. You'd repel out of them to get on the ground quickly to be a fighting force, and um, it destroyed his knees. So, so we, so, but if you had told him, but if you had told him going into it, listen, this is what you could. These could be your options, and they could wreck your knees for your life. He would have been like, yeah, whatever, you know. But so he felt the effect. He felt the effect. So I wanted to play this because I think that this could be. So this back to this food is medicine, and I apologize that we took so long to get there, but I think this is Dennis Rogers, baby. So we come come back around. It's like yeah. a boomerang. Yeah. So so this is. Ooh, from, can we get a boomerang sound effect? Uh, that we're actually I'm bringing a work. You need to work on the yeah, sound I, effects. I, yeah, I'm, 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 that's on the list. Without a good so, boomerang, though, it was yeah, it was it was delightful. So <laughs> sorry, not, that's, sorry. that's okay. He's trying out for like the cartoons it. on AMC. Okay, so here's. <laughs> Here's, uh, this is from the Food is Medicine documentary, and I think this is one of the ways to have a conversation with people. So it's not, so it's about everybody and not about this somebody, right? So here, let's play this and see what happens. What the Moore Institute wants to do is to help people understand the process by which poor diets actually lead to disease, and that brings up the word epigenetics. So epigenetics is the modification of genes by what we call the environment. In this case, I'm referring to nutrition. The science that I was talking about that we want to share is based on discoveries that have only been known for the last decade or two. And that is that the nutrition that a, a person gets when they're developing is what determines their likelihood of having diseases when they're old. So now let me explain the 100-year effect, how it works. I'm in my 60s. My mother is in her, her 90s. And the egg that made me was made in my 92-year-old now mother when she was 
a fetus in my grandmother's womb, and the egg that made me was almost exactly a hundred years ago. So I'm a hundred, and that hundred-year life I've had has been dependent on my grandmother's nutrition, on my mother's nutrition, on my childhood nutrition, and now on my nutrition as an adult. If I can just give you an example, the way you get nutrients while you're developing before you're born will tell a growing body how to turn on genes or turn off genes. And if there's not enough nutrients to grow well, then what will happen is some of the genes that should be turned on and operating will be turned down like a dimmer switch on a light. They'll be gradually turned down by a mechanism called epigenetics. And then later in life, those genes will make a person more vulnerable for having disease. Now, many people have said the problem with emphasizing this is that it somehow blames mothers for all the disease that we have, and that's really not true. The truth is that the food environment we all live is where we ought to, is the problem. And if we have to blame something, we should blame the fact that the American population has allowed food industries to determine our taste preferences and somehow keep us from eating the kinds of food that would be healthy. So I, that, I, that I, is I, amazing. I, I thought that that was, um, I think so the hundred year effect, I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I have a nerve that I want to do as a follow on to that, but let's, let's sit on this for a minute. This is, that was, yeah, that. So when people say things like, well, genetics, right. You're like, well, not really. It's the food that going down the line that your family's been consuming over a hundred years will dictate how and I think saying that that has nothing to do with obesity. It has an it, effect on turning on and turning off genes that can help lead to longevity and also prevent long-term morbidity, which is chronic illness. So when someone says, oh, Alzheimer's runs in my family, but if you look back at the diet, maybe that's what's turning those genes on and turning other ones off. Think of that. Yeah. Well, I think the bigger, the scarier part is that when you, and this is what I wanted to say, maybe this will give people more skin in the game, is that you and I are responsible for, I mean, you could, we should teach this in nutrition classes at very early ages, right? So if you were teaching kids that are five, six years old, right? up to 20 or whatever, right? You're no longer a kid at 18, I guess, but you're kind of a kid at heart. The point is that um, if you're teaching them that, listen, your nutritional choices are going to impact generations to come, who, you know, whether your kids that you have get sick and I think especially little kids, teenagers might be a little bit dismissive, like yeah, whatever, dude, I'm not even going to have kids. I don't even care. Shut up. Who cares? But I think if you, when you talk to little kids, like you talk to my little kids, I'm sure when you talk to your little kids, it's like, it's like, well, this could hurt kids down the road. They're like, it could hurt kids, right? They get, they get really like, Oh, and, and 
you're expecting the teenager to rebel on whatever you teach them at this point. Sure. But what we need them to do. So if there's a four to five year blip where they're out. Yeah. And then their brains kind of come back. Boomerang style. They come back and they're like, okay, you were right. I'm going to exercise. I got to watch my nutrition. Right. That I don't know how big that. Yeah. But what's going to help them boomerang back to come to that moment. You You need to do that early. You need to have laid that groundwork right, on the foundation. Because otherwise, that's they're going to be no, invincible for the next 15 years. No, that's what I'm saying is that you do the groundwork now and with these nutrition classes in school. Yeah. This should this should be taught everywhere. Right. But that, school is going to be hard because you have boards and you have all this approval. You have superintendents and you have districts and you have all these layers of bureaucracy, which make it difficult. You can try to do an end run around it with the PTO. But the tennis club is a great place to do it because the tennis club is like, hey, look, man, we're we're off here and we're teaching this and your nutrition can have long term effects. We're a private um, school. We're a private school. Here. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, there's been a lot of movement toward things like private school and charter schools. But the point is, is that I think that this takes it out of this makes it bigger than just you. It makes it bigger. Like if you want to have kids someday you know, the choices you make over the next, the ensuing 15, 20, 25, 30 years can affect whether your kids live a full life, can affect how they live their life. You know what I mean? And you have to educate, and I'll tell you why. My mother is very old. And every time I talk to her and I point out, because she didn't have this type of education, every time I say to her, she says to me, well, what's wrong with so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so? They're, they're alive. And I'm like, <laughs> they're in a wheelchair. <laughs> you know, they're, they're qual- what's their quality of life like, right? And, we, and we've been emphasizing that over the last few decades, but it hasn't really hit home. And because we don't feel these effects, right? We don't feel, we don't feel the effect. And so this is, I think, a way to sort of get to people to say, listen, it would be good. I mean, send your kid to our nutrition class because we're going to talk about the hundred year effect. And people will be like, well, huh? what's the hundred year effect? And you'd be like this, the fact that your choices, your nutritional choices will affect how your kids, kids, your grandkids, your future grandkids will be how they will live and with that, whether they will get sick or not. I mean, that kind of tugs at your heartstrings to some so, degree. Right? So I think, how do you how do you argue convenience against that? Okay, so I think that where industries win is that, and again, people are like, oh, he's going to say this, you know, because we live in a we don't live in a hunter gatherer society anymore, right? But that's what we are. We don't plant. We live in a genetically. Now, genetically, yeah. we live in a now mentality. Right. We're just we're whatever's in front of us. That's what we're we're mostly dealing with. Yeah. In general. Right. So if that's that's case, because we've retasked our we've retasked our uh, hours on this earth from hunter gatherer to you know I'm gonna go work make a lot of money so I can. I can buy a lot of things and take my kids on nice vacations and have a lot of money because money, 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 which, okay, I get it. I'm there. But at the same time, it comes at a cost to our health. But if that's, but we don't think in the, we don't, we're still searching for our food 
day to day, even though it doesn't seem like we are, we are. And you right. just you just said that. It's right. I go to work today. I, I don't have time to worry about the next 40 years down the line where I'm going to be when I'm 70. Right. I'm, I'm worried about right now to pay my bills or yeah. we got spring break coming up. Or I'm worried about getting to work on time. So I don't have time to cook a 45 minute breakfast. I got time to slam down a bar on my way to the bus, the train, the car. Whatever. Right. So this is where these industries win. Because, like you said, with the the sugar girl from New Zealand, was it New Zealand? Yeah, it was New Zealand. New Zealand. That, well, no one's forcing you to put it in your cart, your trolley. You're correct. And that is a moment when you're shopping, like, I just got to get something. We're, they win because this is how we're wired. And it's, it's like, it's like, social media or or a cell phone right it's the same thing it's gambling we just we're hitting the right receptors that we're predisposed to right and to get the strength the internal strength as human beings to overcome that so i think we have this thing of i agree with everything that you're talking about that should be done but how do you change people's baseline of the way they are as human beings to give them the internal, the in, not eternal, the internal, I guess, and eternal strength to resist these things at this end and to plan that far in the future. So I think it's about making things appealing <clears throat> and gaining momentum. So if you can make, like last night we had a um, cauliflower casserole. And actually, it was like a 40-minute recipe, and it was pretty simple. <laughs> little too much. It sh we shouldn't have put as much cream cheese in there as we did. There was some cream cheese in there. We should have put less. But it was a cauliflower casserole in which it was two heads of cauliflower in a giant <laughs> bowl with mixed with some cheese. There was some bacon. <laughs> but the point is, is like we could modify that recipe, and it was really good. And it wasn't, it didn't take three hours. We have gone through the Forks Over Knives cookbook and we have tried the two hour recipe and it is with kids, with anybody, it's downright painful because it's, are you still cooking? Oh yeah, still cooking. Really? Is this, how, okay. Mm, yeah, great. And are so, we going to eat yet? <laughs> right. When are we, can I just have something out of the fridge? Yeah, can I have a can snack I, before I just, dinner? I, right. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, so it's, it's about making it easy and, and, and gaining momentum on the number of recipes. Well, what do you want? Do you want to have, we, we have another recipe, the tortilla dump, which is, you know, beans and canned tomatoes and all kinds of vegetables that are in there. And then it's got tortillas that you shred up. And you throw in there to make it a sort of a thickening agent, you know, and then you, it's another casserole. You have it and it's a hit, you know, and you put cilantro in there and you put, put whatever you want, you know, it's kind of like a, and, and the point is that those are quick recipes. Those are recipes that can be done in like 30, 40 minutes and then you're off to the races. Right. And so the point is we have to make it easy and we have, and by making it easy and because that's what the food industry's done, the food industry's made it easy. So now we have to make it easy. And if we make it easy as easy, if we're never going to make it as easy as ripping open a package, we're, we're never we're going slamming to. to the microwave. Right. <clears throat> we're never going to, we're never going to get there, but that we have to make it easy and, and we have to gain momentum. And I think gaining momentum is making people aware of the effects of the long-term damage. And so this, I'll play this one other piece from here and then we can move toward wrapping it up. But this talks about our culture and acknowledging our culture um, that we have 
uh, around food products. And I think it will dovetail nicely here. I'm really glad that you asked about food culture because I think that that's the important piece that's been missed. We talk about individual responsibility and we talk about you know, why people aren't doing what they're doing, but we fail to really give credit to the fact that we live within a culture that is telling us how we should think and feel and act in regards to health and wellness. Our society doesn't really support our choices to be healthy and well. Corporate work environment, every place I've ever heard about, the break room was full of junk. I mean, can we bring in a fruit platter? Are you kidding? No, bring a donuts in. What are we having for dinner at the potluck? Pizza, obviously. Like, oh my gosh. Can we get salad? Sure. What do you end up with? White lettuce and croutons and cheese. Caesar salad. Like, yeah, great. White lettuce. Plain iceberg lettuce. It's like an effort to actually do anything healthy in the corporate world, in the, in the work world, which is where most of us spend so much of our day. If there's not a lot of support there, that's going to be tough to make change. So that talks about the momentum issue. that there isn't a lot of support, that I think people are going to work every day and they put themselves in these environments where there isn't a lot of support and you almost need to have that. And I know this sounds probably very woo-woo and all this other stuff like, oh, we're going to have a lunch support group. That's great. That's great. Listen, I got to get back to my job, okay? I do real things here. I do real, I'm responsible. Listen, I know, I get it. But you're also responsible. You're, You're killing yourself. You know what I mean? Like, look at you you're killing yourself right and like you're it's it's only going to be a matter of time so i'll give you a a story on nutrition that i think will wrap this up and you could you'll just hit the crickets button so my dad worked his whole life banker loved to eat loves to eat used to go to beefsteak charlie's in new york Right. They had the, the salad bar and they had at the end of it, oh, you can eat shrimp. Yeah. Papa John was hitting that shrimp <laughs> multiple <laughs> times. Right? Yeah, right? they had a picture of him on the wall. Oh, my God. Do not let this man in. It was just like the Simpsons episode when, when um, Homer gets banned yeah. from the other. Right. Like, he gets banned, yeah. And I could remember the plate of of shells getting bigger and bigger and my mom looking at him and saying, John, have you had enough shrimp? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting my money's worth. Right. But then he'd, it's beef steak, char, then he'd order the steak. Right. Now, some of it's nutritionally good, but then he's slamming with cocktail sauce and right. just everything else. Right. And the amount of food this man ate, and he would See, go- but at that point, there was no, your mom tried to moderate him, but yeah. at that point, there was nobody, like the restaurant doesn't stop you. Nobody, it's weird. You know, you're an adult, you're free to do whatever you want. It's kind of like sitting there getting a carton of cigarettes. And the first thing you do is you crack it open and you, you, you start plowing through a pack. There's nobody to sit there and say, you know, you really, this, you know what I mean? Like, I, no, I do. So he ate like that his whole life and would go to the, when he did go to the gym, which was not all the time. He'd do like that fake walk where he's walking really slow on the treadmill, but he's, and my dad's a funny, was a funny guy. People always liked him. He always had a, always seemed like piano man, Billy Joel. He's light up a smoke and had a joke for you. And just, he was very affable, but he didn't do the right things. And after my mom died, he just, it's like, he, he was just like, eh, whatever. 
And then he made a lot of money later in life. So he, tons of money at the end. He was a banker and then became a, a stockbroker. So he does all this stuff and then finally decides after my mom died, he's gonna retire. So he does, so he's worked his whole life and then the wheels start coming But in off. the meantime, he has not worked his life on his nutrition side. Correct, financially he's fine. Right, and then, which is the exchange that a lot of people are making today. So this gets better. And then all his money is gone trying to keep himself alive. He ended up getting dementia and lost all his mobility. Couldn't go to a restaurant. It would take too long to and get it, him into the, the car. And, and at that and, point, because I went through the same thing with my dad, at that point, the boa constrictor has surrounded the neck. Yeah, it's done. And is slowly suffocating. There's no, there's no way to stop it from killing you. There's just no, the, the wheels are in motion and there's no way. But this started happening in his late 60s. This, this is not like he's like your mom, like in her 90s. Like this is, this is a, a process over, like he's li he lived like that for another 15, 16 years. And worse, I think the, the, the crime of it all, of all the things that were important, of everything that he just had to do. And yeah, he had to yeah. eat and you know, he had other issues also. Right. Of all these things. He forgot his entire life because of dementia. Right. He doesn't remember any of it. Right. He barely knew me. He, right. he, he could recite Notre Dame statistics from 1957, right. but didn't know who was president, didn't know who I was at times, didn't right. remember having conversations. Right. So everything that was ready, everything is so important until it's not. You know, I had the same thing in my family. I mean, my father was uh, a long-term smoker, probably since the time he was like 12 or 13 or 14, oh, something like that. And, um, you know, he died in his early seventies and, uh, he was chronically sick for the last 15 to 20 years of his life to the point where he couldn't walk since he was 50, since he was probably 55, 57, he lost most of his teeth. Oh, he, Jesus. he, you know, so, so yeah. the thing is, is that the, the, when I really put it in perspective, my mom's outlived him so far by over 20 years. And when I put it in perspective, I'm just like, wow, the damage was just, and you couldn't, this is a man you could not, I begged and pleaded and talked to him. And he used to see it as like commie liberal stuff, you know, that where, where they're going, you're going to school and they're teaching all this crap, you know? And I would be like, dad, please just stop smoking. Please just, I would beg him because I wanted him to live. And right. regardless of the tenuous relationship we had, it's one of those things where you're just like, as a kid, you want your kid, you want your dad to live because yeah, he's your dad. He's your dad. Yeah. You only get one dad. And so, you know, I think that I felt the effect of it firsthand. And so because I felt the effect of it, I've really, and I'm not perfect. My diet needs some, some tweaking, but I've, I, I don't smoke and, you know, I don't, I just don't have those, that habit. And, and I, and I want my kids and I also have, and, and this is the last thing I'll say, and this goes back to the hundred year effect. I, the way I look at it is I want to be, because I saw this with my dad, I want to be the opposite. I want, I don't want there to be limitations. When my kids say, hey, can we do this? I don't want it to be like making excuses and saying like, yeah, well, I, I don't do that anyway. Come on, yeah, I'm a grown up. you're a kid. And you know, of course you've got energy and of course you've got this and of course you got that. What do you think I am? I'm old, you know, I, I don't want any of that to be a limitation because I just, it hurts their 
it hurts their life. And I just don't want to do that. And so I made that decision. And so that's how I feel the effect. I'm like, I look in the future and I think to myself, I want to be healthy for them. But I also want to be healthy if my kids, if I'm lucky enough and my kids do have grandkids, you know what? I want to be lucky enough that they can play with their grandfather and grand grandpa, you know, is, is fun to be around and he's healthy enough. And, and that's the other thing is the long-term effect. I think people totally don't understand that the, your diet not just impacts your longevity, but it impacts your mood. It impacts the way that you talk and interact with people. Like I think my dad was even more aggressive and and hostile and weird because of the diet and because of the ill health effects. Oh, of and, course. If if you're not feeling good, if you're not feeling good, yeah, you snap you're, you're at, you snap at people. You you just you're super irritable. It's it's. But like shame on you for not being aware of the connection. You know what I mean? Not you, you, but the person who's going through this because it's like, why am I irritable? Oh, that's right. I have high blood pressure. Why am I irritable? Oh, that's right. You know what I mean? I have severe back pain or chronic pain or whatever. And, you know, come on. Why do I have that? Make the connections. You know, I mean, it's right. So I think that I think that what it occurred to me was that we are not that the people are not um, feeling the effects of it. And that's why if we do have nutrition classes at a tennis club in our fantasy facility, we need to first and foremost talk about we i think we have to get at that before we start talking you know you should start eating salads and you know you should eat fresh fruits and vegetables well, you, you, there's two things right? so you said there's there's the hundred year effect and right. then there's food's effect on performance right you don't need to talk about weight or, or bmi just talk about effect on performance <clears throat> and long but when you talk about effects on performance this is what i was trying to say for you it's very obvious because you're out there every day and you're or, or most days and you're working at it and it's difficult because if you don't do it you feel that effect quick the wheels come off quickly yes but if you are just coming to the club playing taking a lesson once a week and maybe playing once a week you don't feel it at all you just, you just won't, you might feel a little bit, but you don't make that connection and you don't, there isn't enough of an incentive for you to sit there and say, wait a second. I, you know what? I won't feel this way or I'll feel so much better. Or the effect is I could play more, right? I don't, you know, do you remember just a few episodes I told you about when I had a class and I said, Hey, just so you guys, it was a new class. I said, you know, in this class, we move a lot. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. they were like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah sure. We, we yeah, got it. Right, yeah, we, we got, got that. Right. I was like, okay, here we go. And I did my mini tennis warm up that destroys. And they were like, oh my God. They were doubled over. And, and someone's like, I thought I was in shape. There you go. Right. Right. Yes. You were in shape for the level you were working at, which actually wasn't really moving right N now ready this is tennis right this is going to push you this will raise your heart rate yeah what you're doing is just hitting a ball nice which is fine but don't think that you're getting any sort of like you're playing a game you're right. playing darts at this point i think we just both rocked our brains dude you rocked my brain and my body and i think this is and i'm i'm really digesting this hundred year effect because i've never heard that yeah, I think, I think it's a great way to think about it. And turning on and off cells. And I heard about that. Right. And I remember like 10 years ago, people were like, like this was brought up. Right. That people were talking about this. Yeah. And some people were trying to shut it down, I think. I I don't know, but I just think that it's a powerful way to get to people because it, it, it you know, they always say that you want to have a greater purpose and you want to have a greater, like, what's my greater purpose? Well, your greater purpose should be to provide the nutrition for 
generations to come in your bloodline. Whoa. That is... That's heavy stuff. So it's not just you, and it's not just how you're going to feel on the couch later on tonight. It's after you eat a full day of crud. It's what's going to happen, you know, when I'm a kid, and I want to have kids. And there's, you know, how are those people going to get sick? Rock your brain. Rock your body. Rock your body. Tennis rockets, baby! Woo!